Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. All right, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Talos Takes. Uh, I am joined by Ashir once again from Talos Outreach. Thanks for coming on again, Ashir. Hey, John, thanks for having me. So uh, we're going to be talking today about Transparent Tribe. Uh, this is a an APT uh, that you've written about a couple times, and most recently our research detailed uh, their use of the oblique rat. Uh, or I'm sorry, they previously basically they have two rats in their arsenal now. Um, so could you kind of tell us what is new about their actions now that kind of uh, that caused you to want to write about them again? Right. So we've been we've been following this group for quite some time, and uh, we've blogged about uh, multiple oblique rat campaigns in the past. Uh, Transparent Tribe has primarily been targeting organizations in the Indian subcontinent, uh, predominantly mil- military and diplomatic. Uh, as part of our investigations into Oblique Rat, uh, we uh, started seeing a pattern in their attacks. And uh, we saw that they started using domains that were pretending to be media and file sharing websites to host their malicious payloads, uh, which prompted us to take a closer look at their operating infrastructure. And uh, as part of that, uh, we started looking at uh, we, we came across them, fake websites and fake domains that had specific themes, and we uh, wanted to present a holistic view of their operations, you know, the kind of themes they use in their layers, the kind of websites they set up, uh, the kind of file sharing websites, the fake websites that I was talking about, they, shared up, uh, they, they set up as well. And that's what this research is all about. So part of the most recent blog post that you wrote details the fact that this group is using some fake domains to uh, pretend to be that they are different, important, or influential organizations. Uh, you know, we kind of call this typo squatting sometimes where they get a domain that's like just close, you know, like instead of Google.com, it's Google with three O's or something. You know, that's a very basic example, obviously. Um, so what is the advantage from an attacker's perspective of taking that route and starting with these domains that are uh, pretending to be someone else, basically? Right. So there's two main advantages here. The first one is uh, a focus on stealth. So uh, there's a fair chance that an analyst looking at a DNS request for a fake uh, website or a typo squatted domain uh, might consider it legitimate or they might miss out uh, on uh, you know making sure that it's 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 actually malicious because it looks legitimate and it looks uh, kind of sort of like uh, the legitimate domain, right? Um, something like, um, uh, on the other hand, something like uh, you know, generic media and file sharing domains that they've set up, something like cloudsbox.net or sharingmymedia.com, it seems pretty pretty close to something like dropbox.com or onedrive.com, and, you know, it appears legitimate. Uh, the other uh, more obvious advantage is social engineering. You know, the attackers, uh, as I said, they built fake websites, right? So they, they built entire websites to masquerade as legitimate websites. In some cases, uh, these fake websites were a direct clone of the legitimate websites uh, that that they had cloned uh, that 
they were trying to masquerade as. Uh, you know, this tactic is used to convince the victim that any artifact or any attack chain associated with these websites or domains is in fact benign and legitimate. You know, that increases the level of trust that the victim has in the attack chain or in a malicious artifact, which results in them get, getting uh, infected and, you know, uh, in, in turn resulting in a crimson rat or an oblique rat infection. And as you mentioned, they this group relies a lot on social engineering to be successful. Uh, and I, this is going to be general advice that doesn't change based on the actor. This is for all social, social engineering attacks. Uh, but what are some ways that, that people can avoid these types of, of scams? And what should they be on the lookout for when we say social engineering, basically? Right. Uh, so firstly... Anything you find suspicious or something that comes from an untrusted source should be scrutinized. You know, sometimes you find stuff that is too good to be true. Sometimes you find stuff that is sent by an, uh, by by somebody that you don't know, but it's very extremely relevant to what you might be working on or what's going on with your uh, in your business. Uh, so you have to be wary of those uh, those kinds of uh, messages. You know, whether that's over uh, social media or whether that's over email or whether that's over uh, you know messaging something. Like like SMS, uh, you have to scrutinize anything that you don't trust or anything that you find remotely suspicious. Uh, secondly, and most importantly, I, I say this every chance I get, uh, you need a layered defense model, uh, especially at the en enterprise level. You have to have a layered defense model coupled with great intelligence like that of Talos. Uh, for example, anything that gets past social engineering can be caught by signatures like network signatures and uh, CLAM AV signatures, for example. Anything that, that gets past your email defenses can be uh, mitigated by behavioral analysis, uh, for example. So uh, we need to be prepared not just for social engineering, but also the aftermath of a successful social engineering. So what are we looking at going forward with Transparent Tribe? Uh, this is, like I mentioned, you've been following them for a while now, and obviously the, they're not staying still. They're updating their TTPs. Uh, what can we kind of assume based on what we've seen so far? Are there long-term goals and what might they try to change next? So, so, so based on historic evidence, we don't see transparent tribe backing down from uh, targeting military and diplomatic entities, especially in the Indian subcontinent. Uh, they've been doing this for uh, quite a few years now. They have a variety of themes and lures that they use for targeting uh, uh, personnel in different uh, agencies, uh, whether it's um, whether they're internally internal documents belonging to a military branch, whether they're honey trap uh, based documents. Uh, they, they're basically, they will focus, continue to focus on military and diplomatic entities. However, we've also seen them expand their net of uh, victims as well. Uh, for example, uh, starting from 2020, uh, 2020 and uh, 2021, way, way into 2021, we saw them aggressively target conference attendees. And these conferences were pseudo-government conferences like trade conferences and defense-oriented conferences. They're basically going after these people, uh, which are also, again, they're high-value targets and so they're trying to expand as much as possible. Uh, 
Uh, on the technical front, uh, we, we, we've seen this happen with Oblique Rat and with Crimson Rat as well. Uh, they're going to focus on uh, stealth. Uh, they'll evolve their infection chains and different types of attack chains uh, with a focus on stealth. Uh, the use of steganography in their uh, Oblique rat, uh, rat attacks that we recently disco disclosed is you know yet another evolution in their attack chain. And, uh, and other than that, it's just uh, software development as usual for their uh, malware implants, you know, pack them with more and more functionality so that you know they can have a one-size-fits-all rat to serve different kinds of infections and to target different kinds of victims. All right, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Shashir, for all that information. That's uh, super helpful. And uh, I know that you'll be following this and a lot of other threats, so we'll have you on again in the future to talk about something else. Sure. Thanks for having me, John. Thank you.